0: As we were saying, you know, mom and dad, they're down, they're doing a revival right now. And I've said this many a times, but how, how thankful can we be about pastors that are kingdom minded? They could just stay, stay here and be with us and constantly, constantly only pour out to us and us alone. But they go around all over the United States preaching the same gospel they preach here, reaching people just like me and you. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. Um, another thing, Papa got up here and preached this morning. And we've done a lot. You can ask the youth group. We've done a lot of teachings on fasting. I have never heard fasting say in such a way that made me have such high expectations. You know, the way Paul got up here and explained it this morning, I told Jesse, and you can answer, fasting for me is really it's, it's not the easiest thing. It's far from the easiest thing. Eating's one of my all-time favorite things. But I told her, I was like, you know, when I fast, I'm, I'm, this month something's going to happen. And I, I have no doubts in my mind. That when we as a body come together, something is going to happen. Because he is a God that honors sacrifice. Can somebody say amen to that? He is a God that honors sacrifice. So one thing, if you all know anything about me, I do enjoy technology. But when it comes to ministering, I always have my pages and my Bible and my notes. I tried and tried to print my notes. And I think the printer was smelling fear on me. (laughs) So I'm going to have to use my cell phone tonight. Dad loves to preach with his iPad. It makes me nervous. I worry it's going to crash or something. I love to start out with a story. I love to start out with something. And someone sent me this story recently, and it has it has cracked me up so much. This lady, she's a Sunday school teacher in a large church, nine and ten year olds, and she's begging these kids to learn the Lord's prayer. She's telling them, "Please, please, you need to know this is something we need to know. Something we can say sometimes at nighttime when you don't know what to say. This is something you can say." So she begged them, she pleaded with them. She couldn't get them past our father, and they'd stop, and they'd say, it's boring or it's pointless. We have the Bible. We can look up something else, or I can ask my mom to pray. So she worked with these kids and worked with these kids, and finally she came in. She said, whoever can learn it by next week and throws it down, says gets this $10 bill, and said, the first person in my class that says it. Well, when she says that, another class is dismissing, and a six-year-old kicks the door open. And he said, did you say $10? And she said, yes, sir, for my class. And he just goes, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And he just starts running through it. And she's like, oh, my goodness. She said, well, it's just for the 9 and 10-year-olds. She said, you don't get 10. She hands him, she says, you get 20. But she says, not only do you get 20, you get to go up in front of the whole church and say it. So she runs him out there, and she waits for church to dismiss. She says, this little boy, he's got something to say. So he runs through it, and then he gets down. He says, give us this day our daily bread. He says, lead us not to temptation. He said, but deliver me from all those emails. (laughs) Little six-year-old boy. The teacher said, from that point forward, she said, I ain't going to let no kid say something unless I hear it all first. She said, no kid gets a microphone unless I hear everything first. All right, I'm... I, I love to teach stories. Um, sometimes in Game Changers, we'll pick a topic—peace, love, fasting—and we'll be all over the Bible. But today, we're going to be in one one spot with one story. So, if everybody would you stand for the reading of God's Word here? We're going to be in Matthew chapter two. It'll just take me a few—we're going to be at verse one. Just take us a few seconds to get through this. How, how many's thankful for the Christmas story? You know, we, we, I know I'm a little late. I may be a little early, however you want to look at it. But I am thankful for the baby that came and was given to us. You know, the power wouldn't give until he died and rose again. But I'm thankful for that baby. You know, a God that lived a life in heaven could come down and walk the life of a man. I couldn't imagine how hard that would be. I couldn't imagine how miserable that would be. But he did it because he loved me. And, you know, I, I think of that little baby being born. And I look at my baby and I love my baby so much. Before my baby, I, I was just kind of scared of babies. The moment I first held mine, you can ask Jesse when she wasn't in our room, I was at that glass window looking at all the babies. I don't know, I just I fell in love with them and, I, and ever since then I've been stuck on the story of baby Jesus, you know, so okay, we're going to start at verse one, let me not monologue too long. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, "Where is he that is born king of the Jews?" For we have seen his star in the east, and we are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he uh, demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea. For thus it is written by the prophet. I like how they say it so obvious. And though Bethlehem in the land of Judea art not the least among the prince of Judah, for out of these shall come a governor, and thou shalt rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. And they had heard the king, uh, and they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Y'all may be seated. Now, this ain't part of my sermon, but one thing. I love that they brought gifts. I keep telling Jesse, you know, we're not just going into a new year. We're going into a new decade. And I want to bring God some gifts. And, you know, all these men, I, I, want, I wonder, you know, why didn't they all bring the same thing? Why didn't they all do the exact? Why didn't they all bring go? Why didn't they all bring things? why didn't they all bring? We're all different people. We all have different gifts. But we all have something to bring. Look at your neighbor and say, what you got for 2020? Okay, but what I want to talk about tonight is the star. Somebody say the star. star. Tonight outside, if it's not too cloudy and you look up, you can see roughly 10,000 stars in the sky. Now me, I I just tried to put a definition on this number. So I found a gentleman on YouTube who was explaining to count, not counting things, but just to count to 10,000 takes about four hours. But God took the time and he named them all. Each of those stars have a name. Each of those stars have a purpose. We go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 41. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for one star differ from another star in glory. Say so these guys have different glories. So they also differ in color. Now, I wanted to know some of the science of this. I, I, there's this place in Kentucky, uh, the ark, And it's owned by a gentleman named Ken Ham. And he has a website called um, uh, Something in Genesis. You have to look him up. But he explains a lot about creation. And it it always intrigues me and just gets me interested. Well, he was talking the color represents different temperatures. And uh, the color can also represent different brightness. In studying this, I found out that our sun is actually very, very, very small. There is a star called Proxima Centauri shining 200,000 times brighter than our sun. So God, he has a purpose, and he has a science behind each of these stars. Look at your neighbor and say, you have a purpose. So we know these stars, they have purposes. We know they have different levels of glory. We know they create light for the day, and then they're the lesser light for the night. We have heat. And then boom, God creates the star of Bethlehem. And all these laws, all these rules of nature, all these regulations that God put on every star ever, they don't apply to the star of Bethlehem star of Bethlehem ain't got to follow none of this stuff. The star of Bethlehem, if, in verse 7, it tells us that it just appears. If we look up the nature of a star, it takes stars forever to come from um, a black hole to the birth to then the creation and then the light being formed. And then we know down in verse 9 that it moves. Now, stars will move in our sky, but this one it moves, and then it tells us at the end of verse 9 that it stands still over the child, and that's where we know something's different about this star. We know this one, he ain't following the other 10,000. We know he ain't following, we're told there's stars in the heavens like sands by the sea. We know he ain't following the other trillions and trillions of stars. This one's got a purpose. This one's got to do something. So I went and I was reading in near the year zero. There was a big supernova, so they thought maybe that was it. And a supernova doesn't move. And a supernova doesn't stand still. So then they thought it was something to do with Orion's belt. And they said maybe it was a triple conjunction or a double conjunction. Stars don't move and stars don't stand still. So then Forbes did this huge article because of the, the supernova. And they said, well, what it could have been is it could have been the world's slowest moving comet ever. They, they always have to have something to disprove the gospel. Can somebody say Amen. And they said, it must have just been the slowest moving comet of all time. Toby, would you come up here and uh, turn off these projectors and turn off those lights? Daniel, would you turn off those lights back there? We know this star had a purpose, and we know it wasn't no comet. Mitchell, you get that one on the side right there. I'm going to grab these lights real quick. Toby, if you would stand right here in front of our post-it board. Everybody that would, if you, everybody that has a cell phone, turn on the flashlight and point it up at the ceiling. Look at that. These are all those little glories spread around. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Let your light so shine before men. And look at those lights shine. You know, we got Christians, we got them out all over the globe, and their lights are shining, their lights are twinkling, their lights are being shown. But there's more to this verse. There's more that keeps going. That they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Mitchell, come up here and put your light on Toby. Toby's going to be our Christ tonight. Come on, get close. Get right in his face. Toby, he'll be blind in a minute. (laughs) There's one thing letting our lights just shine out there. But there's another thing pointing to Christ. And tonight I want to talk about how a star, tens of thousands of stars shining in the sky. But one said, my purpose is to point to Jesus. And my challenge going forward, and my challenge for 2020 for everyone here is, how can we, how can we as a church, how can we as an individual point to Jesus? You know, I'm no longer satisfied just having some good works and having some blessings. So many times we take these things that God does for us, and we love them and we enjoy them and we're blessed by them. But we don't tell our friends who really need to hear. And here, let me, let me get into this. You know, my, there's no God better than my God. He is my Alpha. He is my Omega. He is my Beginning. He is my End. He is my First and my Last. My God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Papa said something at the altar call this morning I ain't ever going to forget. And I put it right here. He said it may be old-fashioned, but that don't always mean it's outdated. And you know, and that's something about my Jesus so many people will tell you what you're doing, you, you're wasting time. What you're doing doesn't have to be done. No, what we're doing for my king of kings, it has to be done. Uh, Brother Nathan Freeman, you had a testimony, and this is something that has stuck with me so well, and it it, it, it shook me. You said, there, there's a point, you know, where I committed my life and I got saved, but he said, I remember a day when I realized I cannot do this without him. And I'm finding myself in that place now. I, I'm, losing a, I'm losing a lot of that. Self-independence of Micah I used to have, but I'm realizing I can't do this without Jesus. And you know what? When I I can get to that place to where I can drop some of my pride, I can drop some of my, it's Micah doing this, and I can start telling people it's him. Toby, you can be seated. Let's move on forward here. Um, Daniel, you can turn on the lights again. We'll just leave the stage lights off. A star's nature is never to move and pause and appear. Everything the star is doing was against its nature. God is wanting you to go against your nature, to go past my selfish ways, to go in someone's life and be pointing to him. You know, two things can't occupy the same space at the same time. We know that that's physics and that's laws. So when the sun rises, darkness has to flee. They don't coexist. There's some people that, I want to say this correctly, there's some people that they, they want nothing to do with our God. And then they run from him as far as they can. They'll find a horizon. They'll find a mountain. They'll find them a dark place. But God, he realized his son can't be in every dark place. But he has these lesser lights that he saved. And these lesser lights, they can go over the horizon. They can go into these people's lives. They can go into these people's jobs. They can go into these people's as friends and family. And then they can turn and they can point and they can say, Jesus is this way. Follow me. I've seen him. I've tasted of him. I live a life where he's told me what to do. I've lived a life where he's showed me how to point back to him. So I want to say five quick ways that we can point people to Christ. Number one, and I think this is one um, I, I want to use in 2020, is our story or our testimony. How many loves a good testimony in church? Amen. But the, in church, Christ is here. The biggest sun, the biggest light, the biggest brightest, most powerful thing is here. Now, it'll still build our faith. It'll still strengthen us, strengthen us at our core. But when we go out to a secular person and we tell them what God's done for us, that's when you're offering hope and love. That's when you're offering something that they don't have. I heard a story, and, and this, this has just got me tore up. Has anybody heard about what Scientology is? I, I don't understand it by no means, but I heard about this man. He was 21 years old. And he was addicted to three different types of illegal drugs. And he said he couldn't get free from him. He said he lost his family. He lost his friends. He lost all his jobs. And he was living on the street. He used to live in his car, but he had to sell his car for drugs. And he said some man came to him him hope in Scientology. And he becomes a Scientologist. This is a man in the darkness. And he said once he becomes a Scientologist, he said from that point forward, he no longer needed drugs. He no longer needed alcohol. And he, and he says how it changed his life for the better. So what you have, you have this person giving their testimony and changing this man's life. So this man, he goes, and now they say he causes in California great Scientology revivals of reaching for people with his testimony. And if it can work for something fake, imagine what our testimony can work with a real living God. You know, I'm afraid in the church what happens is God delivers us from things, and then we get embarrassed that we ever did them. We get embarrassed about the places we came from. We get embarrassed about the things that we went through and then we don't want to tell nobody about it. But, you know, that testimony is probably the key to make you a star of Bethlehem in some people's lives. That little testimony, that little story that you're afraid to talk about, that could be the thing God's just waiting for you to use and move in. I want to tell you all a little something about me right now. Let me just, let me get real for a minute. Um... A few months ago, I've, I've battled, I've had anxiety and been nervous ever since I was a kid. Well, I was in a grocery store and um, I was going to get milk for Kara. She's a little uh, tiny. No, I was getting milk for me and Jesse for coffee. I made it to the milk aisle and I collapsed. I thought I was having a heart attack. I, I knew from a friend that went through things like this, I, I, I concluded it was a panic attack. You talk about embarrassing. I, I make my way to the car all alone. Made a fool of myself. I was like, Michael, why'd you do that? You gotta get control of yourself. So I knew from my friend, he's a secular guy. He he don't even believe in God, and he had panic attacks since he was a little kid from terrible trauma, and he's on pills. and He said, you know, it fixed everything, and everything's better. So I was just remembering from his story from years ago, and I was like, man, I gotta get on pills. I gotta do all this just to live. I was like, I can't live like this. My heart was hurting. I couldn't catch my breath. And then I remembered. I said, no, wait. I got a God that can deliver me of this. I got home. I went back to my little spot in the Sunday school trailer. I love to pray. I knelt down and prayed, and I ain't had a problem since. And you know, some of this stuff, we think of it being embarrassing, we think of it being shameful, but that's how good my God is to me. And I don't want to be ashamed of what He's delivered me from. I want to be proud of it. I want to own it and say, that's what He's done for me, that's what He can do for you, friend. And I've been praying. I want to present this to uh, this friend. His name's Mason. And I'm going to tell him God's done big things for me. God's done things for me. I can't explain, but I can tell you I know it's real. You know, uh, another thing we can do is being consistent. This is one of the hardest things in our life. It's hard to be consistent because life's not consistent. You have good days. You have bad days. My favorite thing every morning is to start out with a cup of espresso. I started out making mine and Jesse's this morning. I'm holding Kara, rushing to get out the door for church. Kara grabs mine and throws it all the way across the wall. It's hard to be consistent. It's hard to have a good attitude because life's, life's going to throw some things at you. But you know, in the secular world, these people that are unsaved, these people in the darkest points of their life, they see divorce, they see drug addiction, they see youth suicide, they see pornography, and that's just part of life. They know that's just how it has to be. But if you step in... And they see something that's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, I'm not saying you can't ever make mistakes. As Christians, we're going to mess mess up. But if we fess up and say, you know, that was the flesh in me that messed up, the Jesus in me would never do that. And we say, I'm still trying to follow his mercy. I'm still trying to step in his grace because I know he loves me. And I'm trying to move that way. When people see consistency, that's the best bright light that they can see quickly. They'll see that and they'll say, what is different about them? Uh... Everybody here is doing this. Everybody's making these jokes. Everybody's saying these things. Everybody's sharing these pictures. But this guy or this woman or this person is different. And then they see a consistency. And if they ever ask, you get to tell them about Jesus. You get to tell them about the one who made you different. You get to tell them about the one who offered it all to you. Number three, we can love people. And I'm coming to a close if you all want to come back to the music. You know, showing people mercy that never deserve mercy, that is that is a fast way to show the real love of God. And 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 I know that's difficult. And I know I talk about that every time I preach, but that's something God always lays on me, is we we need to be merciful to people that don't deserve it, because God loved me when I didn't deserve it. God showed me mercy when I didn't deserve it. The Bible, I mean it's just plain and simple. In the New Testament, he gives us those two new commandments and he says, Love your neighbor as yourself. He doesn't give no conditions, he don't give you no escape. He don't say, if they've done this, don't worry about it. If they've done something to you, don't worry about it. He don't even say, if they've taken my name in vain, don't worry about it. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, number four. Uh, Does anybody remember when I I did my sermon on Second Mile? Number four is serve somebody. I have a little story I I want to talk about this. I was praying after that, and uh, the next week, Jesse got sick, and then I got sick. Oh, there's that baby going. And I was praying. I said, God, I said, I want to do something to serve somebody. I want to do something to help somebody. So Jesse was really, really sick one day, and um, she wanted that um, soup from town. So I'm running to town. I'm getting soup, and I'm running a real low-grade fever. She's running like 102 or something, and I see a brand-new van pull over. And I thought, this thing's brand-new. This thing's out of gas. I feel terrible. God's seeing if I'll do my second mile. I said God's going to see if I'm I'm really up to this. So I pull over in behind them, and I start walking up to help them. Oh, and on top of it, it's pouring rain. So I said God's really going to use me today. You know, I'm going to have all this opportunity. This mama gets out of the front seat. She comes in the back seat and just starts whooping a boy. <laughs> And I said, no, God don't want me here. I got to go. (laughs) I turned, if that lady, if I ever get to meet her, I'm going to tell her that's why this awkward guy pulled in and that's why that awkward guy, he went on. If Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords will step from eternity into time into a flesh body that feels pain, feels hurt, and he comes to serve us, how much more is he expecting us to serve somebody? I think each and every one of us can step up in 2020. I I think Michael Wynn can really step up in 2020 and say, God, let me be a servant. Don't just let me be a leader. Let me lead by serving somebody. Let me lead by helping somebody. You know, it's hard to offer someone Jesus when they have a need not met. But if you can meet that need in their life, if you can step into that point in their life and fix that, they're going to be curious why. Then you can offer them Jesus. Then you can offer them the next steps. And number five, um, if everybody be making your way to this altar, we'll be praying. Seeking God and praying for people. We can never overstate or overestimate the power in prayer. When you come up here, and I know, I know everybody here has some unsaved people in their lives that are in some really dark places. Can somebody say amen to that? I got some family, I got some friends in some dark places. But if I can kneel down, I can stand, if I can find a way to get to God in this altar and I can connect with Him, God can can use me as that star in their life to point to Him. Or God can use another star in their life. So everybody that would, if you would stand up and make your way up here, let's just take a moment and pray. And let's just seek God to use us as a star this coming year to help somebody.